0: Welcome to Life Church. It's so great to have all of you here. I'm Kevin Miller, uh, Director of World Life, which is our missions and outreach program here at Life Church. And I am honored to be able to speak to you today. I'm really, really excited. And uh, again, as Ryan said, we're closing up the series highlights. And uh, I'm really excited to bring to you one of the highlights of my Bible, one of my favorite scriptures. So we're going to jump right in. If you want to take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. And as you're turning there, you know what? I am convinced that the favor of the Lord is with us right now because it is football season. Can I get an amen in this place? Come on now. Come on. You know what? If you don't like football, I see some people shaking their heads. If you don't like football, you're probably in the wrong state, okay? Any Packers fans in the place? Okay. Just making sure. I'm just just making sure. Just making sure. But uh, you know what? I do love football. You know what's even more amazing is my wife loves football. So when I watch a lot of football, I don't get in trouble like some of you guys out there. I'm praying for you, okay? I'm still praying for you, but I'm just blessed and highly favored. Anyways, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. So Joshua chapter 6, I hope you're there. If not, we're going to have it for you on the screen if you don't have your Bibles with you here today. Joshua chapter 6, we're going to start with verse 1. It says, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, "See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once, and all the armed men do this for 6 days. Have 7 priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark, and on the 7th day, march around the city 7 times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole group and army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up. Everyone" straight in. If you skip to verse 15, it says, On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. In verse 20, it says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for giving me the opportunity to speak today. I pray that this would be your words and not my own. God, I pray that you would truly move in this place. That's all that we can ask for, that you would let us leave different than we came. God, I thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I want to ask a question. How many of you have ever had something get in your way of something that you were trying to get to? It may be an obstacle or something that was just right in your way of a goal or something that you were trying to get to. You know, in my life, I've had that happen a lot. Okay, But one specific story that comes to mind was when I was 10 years old and I was in Pee Wee football. Okay. Let me tell you something. I was very skinny. Very, very, very skinny. Okay. Like chicken leg skinny, like crazy skinny. Okay. So like the football pads will fall off skinny. Okay. And I wanted to play football. So my parents were like, okay, I pray he doesn't get hurt, Lord. Okay, sure. You can go play football. So I played football and I was on a team and I was on a bad team. We were called the Brooks bears and I'm talking bad as in good. Okay. Okay. Let me make a reference. I'm from Georgia. If I say stuff that doesn't make sense, just, just say, Bless him, Lord. He's from Georgia. Okay. So my language bait may, may be a little crazy here today. But, anyways. The Brooks Bears, I have ADD as well. So I'm on the Brooks Bears, and we are at the last game of our season, okay? And we, we have to win this game to be able to make it to the playoffs. I hadn't gotten injured yet that year. I'm doing great. I'm just loving life. But, uh, anyways, we're getting ready for the game, and I'm warming up, running around. I ran sort of like a giraffe um, would, a little bit clumsy, if you can imagine that in your mind right now. Um, but during the end of the season, I developed a new style of running. Uh, I watched Forrest Gump, and I watched Dumb and Dumber. And if you've ever seen the end of Dumb and Dumber when he's running after the tour bus, and he kind of has his arms going like that, I just, I say, you know what? The dude was fast. I'm gonna start trying that. I'm 10 years old, people. Come on, give me a break now. But anyways, that's how I ran. So that was the running style that I developed. Anyways, I was on defense and special teams on the Brooks Bears, and I was excited. I was ready to play. It was the last game of the season. Anyways, I'm on special teams, and we're kicking off. And as we kick off, if you know anything about football, if you're on special teams and you're kicking off, your one job is to just cream the person with the ball. That is it. You're going to go after them with all that you have, okay? So the kicker kicked, and I'm ga- galloping down the field, whatever you want to describe it. But I'm like running as fast as I can down the field with my arms going, going towards this guy with the ball, and my eyes are set on him. My vision is right there at him. I'm going to cream that guy. I'm going to cream. I mean, I was, I was going to cream him. Okay, anyways, so out of the corner of my eye, as I had my vision set on this guy, comes this man-child person. I mean, he, in my mind, he had a full-grown beard. He was 6'8", 300 pounds. No, probably not, but he was huge, okay? And I'm like, H- 10 years old, really? Really? And you know the bad thing about it is, I think he meant harm. You know how some wee-wee tackles, oh, that's cute, you know? He he was going to try to kill me. And I got noticed, I saw it in his eyes. Okay. So I had my eyes set on this guy in the very back with the ball. I was going to cream him, but I look over and this dude's going to cream me. So I had to completely shift my focus over to this guy. And I had two options. Either I take off the other way. You know what? That wasn't even an option. I keep going towards the guy with the ball or either I just run straight towards this dude. And get creamed either way, okay? So either I look like a hero getting creamed or I get creamed and blindsided. I was like, you know what? I'm going to look like a hero. So I just faced him with his beard and all and just started running towards him. And (laughs) he's probably laughing, thinking, I'm going to kill this little kid. So I'm going towards him, and I hit him as hard as I could, and he didn't move. I did, though. I went backwards, and I was kind of laid out ambulance came. No, they didn't. But it was bad. They probably should have. I was out for a little bit of the game. I did wind up coming back in for the end of the game. But the point was, I had my mind set on the guy with the ball. I had my vision set. But there was something that stopped me. And he was a man child in this case. But there was something blocking me. And there was a wall in my way from stopping me. Just like this story in Joshua that I read. Joshua had his mind set on capturing Jericho and fighting and winning Jericho. But there was something, there was a problem. There was a huge wall that was encircling the city that was blocking him from getting to what he wanted to get to. And you know, a lot of us in our lives, I I think we can all probably be safe and agree that either at some point or even now in our life, we have a wall that's blocking us from getting to where we need to be with God or it's blocking us from a vision that maybe God gave us a long time ago, or it's blocking us from maybe seeing a family member come to know God, or it's blocking us from something, a promise that God has given us. There's something in our way that's hindering us to getting to where we need to get to with God. I think we could all agree that either we've been at that point or we're at that point now to where there's something there that's blocking us from getting to where we want to go. But I want to take you through the story and show you how Joshua, even though he had this huge barrier in front of him, he was able to overcome that, and he took some certain steps that led him to a victory in this. And you know, I want to get started. The first verse, I absolutely love this. One of the beginning verses, God speaks to Joshua, and he says, Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. I love that word, see, Joshua, I want you to see that I have delivered Jericho into your hands. And I can't imagine being Joshua in that moment and saying, okay, okay, I'm looking, but I don't see. All I see is this big, huge, ugly wall around the city right now to where the Bible describes it as nobody came in, nobody came out. God, I'm seeing, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not seeing that you're going to deliver this to me and this is my version okay i'm just thinking of what went through his mind what would have probably went through my mind but god is saying i want you to see that i've delivered this to you already i want you to see through my eyes for a second that i've delivered this to you already this city is yours our first point today is envision the outcome envision the outcome God always wants us to envision the outcome because we serve a God that can make the impossible possible. We serve a God to where no matter what is stopping us to getting what we need to get through, he can can make that crumble in a second. Our God is a God of the impossible, and he can make these things happen in our life. You know what's crazy and amazing at the same time about Joshua is Joshua truly believed this about God. He said, you know what, God? I I know that I probably can't see it at the time, but I'm just gonna put your vision on for a second, and I'm gonna see that, you know what? Yeah, I can. We can do this. Through you, we can see this city captured. We can take over this city because of your vision and because God told him that that exact thing. He said, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. He trusted in his word. That word that God gave him, he trusted in it, he believed in it, and he stood upon that word to be true. And secondly today, God's word will never return void. God's word will never return void. You know, Joshua believed what God told him. It would have been very very easy for Joshua to have just stepped back and said, God, I know that you can see this happening, but this is impossible. There's no way that this can work. But again, our God is a God of the impossible, and Joshua realized that, and he took God at his word, and he realized that God's word will never return void. And you know, we have the option of either believing his word to be true or not. Believing every single bit of it or not. Joshua had the option of believing that he could actually do this or not. But thank God that He said, You know what? I believe in what you're saying to me, God. I believe that this wall can come crumbling down. And I believe in the promises that you've given me. But you know it's a lot harder when we're in that place, when the rubber meets the road, and we're standing there and we we have a wall in our way. Or we have a, a physical a wall of a physical disease in our way, or a wall of fear in our way. It gets much harder when the rubber meets the road and you're actually standing in that place, but we have to believe in God's word. We can't afford not to believe in God's word because if we don't believe in his word, if we don't believe in this Bible, there will always be obstacles blocking us from where we're going with God. There'll always be things in our life that'll hinder us from getting to where we need to go with God. When we need a physical healing, we need to realize that God sent his son down to this earth to die on a cross for our sins. And the Bible says that by his stripes, we are healed. That needs to be something that we hold on to if that's you and you're in that place. Or if you have fear in your life, you have a wall of fear, you have to realize that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. We have to stand upon his word. We have to believe the promises that God has given us in his word. If we don't, we're not going to have anything to stand for. And we're always going to have barriers blocking us from what God wants us to get to. Again, if Joshua would have just found it easy to say, you know what, God, I, this is a little too tough. This is just a little bit too tough for me. I'm going to go find a city without this crazy big wall around it, and that's what I'm going to do. But he said, no, God, you've given me this promise. I'm going to do every single thing I can to see this promise fulfilled in that moment. We either believe in his word or we don't. You know, again, it's hard when you're put in that position. I remember being put in that position with uh, Noel and I. We just, we first got married, and uh, I married the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, you can say, oh, I'm just playing. I'm embarrassing her right now. But I married the most beautiful woman in the world after our third year of Bible college, and I had this wall put up in my life of fear, and it was a fear of not being able to provide for my family. As a guy, a lot of you guys can probably relate to this or maybe some point in your life you related to this it was a wall of fear that was blocking me when in reality I knew that his word said that he's going to take care of me as long as I give to him and I'm in his will but it was still that wall and that barrier that was put up in my life and I remember going to church one day and we were actually having a service where we were making faith promises and we were going to be giving to missions and uh, if you don't know Noel and I that well, we absolutely love missions. That's what we live for, is to see people all over the world come to know who Christ is. And they were asking for faith promises. And we were just about to leave for India, to go to India for three months. And we had two months left that we were gonna be in Griffin, Georgia, where we lived at the time. And I said, God, what do you want us to give for these two months? Again, that wall of fear is right there of I, I need to take care of my family. So in my mind, I have different numbers rolling around, like, you know, 10, 10 bucks a month would be great, so we don't have to eat ramen noodles the whole time. But God tells me, you know what, I want you to give more than any bill that you have right now at the time. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> One more time? It must have been a bad donut this morning. One more time, Jesus? And he said the same thing, and I'm just like, Okay. And, you know, at that moment, I could have said, you know what, God, I can't do that. I know that you've spoken to me, but I can't trust your word right now. I've got to take care of myself and my family. But I said, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust and believe that your word is true, that when I give to you, I give my tithe, I give my missions money, when I give to your storehouse that you'll pour out a blessing on me so great that I can't even contain it. I believed in his word at that moment. And right then, our, most, our biggest payment was 495 bucks a month for our apartment. So I said, all right, God, 500 a month, two months. I have no earthly idea how this is gonna happen because at the time, I'm working three jobs and going full-time to college, and I'm just like, it's gonna be a lot of ramen noodles right now. But I was like, God, I trust your word. I trust you. And you know what? It wasn't even 15 minutes later, well, right then I filled out the card. I turned it in. It wasn't 15 minutes later that Noel came up to me. She said, you know, this lady that I just talked to, she just, uh, she handed me an envelope. And I'm thinking, ooh, that's cool. I like envelopes. I'm thinking maybe it's like coupons to a restaurant or something because that's how they'd hook up Bible college students. Sometimes they'd be like, here you go, 20% off Arby's. And I'm like, yes. So I don't know what it is. I have no clue. And what's crazy is we open up the envelope and the first thing that I saw was a $100 bill. And right then I'm just like, God is answered my prayer right now. But the crazy thing is, as I pulled that out and I pulled out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 $100 bills right there. The full $1,000 that I pledged to missions, God provided 15 minutes later And this story is still so real to me even right now because it's something to where I stepped out and said, God, I trust you. That's why he blessed me. Because I stood upon his word and said, God, I trust your word. I know that your word is true. Although it's hard and I fear for my family right now, I trust your word. And because of that, he came through and he blessed me. You know, I think about Joshua. And if Joshua would have just stepped back and said, God, I'm gonna let somebody else do this. I'm not gonna be able to do this. He wouldn't have been able to take the city that he did. He wouldn't have been able to conquer Jericho. And I'm convinced if I would have stepped back and said, you know what, I can probably do about $15 a month, we would have never received that money. But because we were dependent upon His Word, He blessed us. He blessed us. We believed in His Word, we believed that God is a God of the impossible. The next point is dependency upon God makes impossibilities possible. Dependency upon God makes impossibilities possible. You know, I like to put myself in Bible character shoes sometimes and just wonder what it would be like and wonder what I would do in their situation. And to be honest, if I was Joshua and God's telling me all this, I probably would have still went up to this big, huge wall kind of looked it over, maybe climbed to the top, see what the width was, see see if I had any tools or how many people I needed to be able to knock it down. I would have been worried and thinking about what I could do to make this possible. But the cool thing about Joshua is right off the bat, he was dependent upon God. He was dependent upon God right off the bat with this. He said, you know what, I know this is something that I can't do on my own. So God, I'm completely dependent upon you. I'm completely dependent upon you. You know, we oftentimes try to make something happen out of our lack instead of asking God and being dependent upon him out of his abundance. We try to make things happen on our own when God, he... He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He can make anything happen. He is the God of the impossible. All we have to do is come to him and say, God, I can't do it by myself. I need you. And that's exactly what Joshua did right here. And I think because of that, because he went to God and said this, that's why God did the impossible in his life. You know what's amazing? We we support a missionary. And... uh, I can't mention his name or where he's at for his safety and his protection. but um, And I'm just telling you guys, we support the best of the best missionaries. If you don't give to World Life uh, weekly or monthly, I would encourage you to because we got some crazy cool missionaries out there doing amazing things for God. But this is just one of them I'm going to tell you about. This guy was doing a service and he was preaching to about two to 300 people. And he's preaching his sermon, and all of a sudden, the, uh, the government officials come in, and they're trying to shut the service down, and they're just angry. They're mad that he's even having the service in the first place. But he keeps preaching, and they leave all of a sudden. He's like, thank you, God. They are gone. And probably about 10 to 15 minutes later, they walk in with this stretcher, these government officials, and they come through the doors, come all the way down the aisle, and they put the stretcher right in front of them. And he can tell at this point that this stretcher has a dead man on it. There's no life in the person that's on this stretcher. And the officials look look up at him and they say, if your God's real, why don't you pray for him? Let him raise from the dead. I can't imagine what would happen. If that happened right now, I can't imagine what I would do. That would be tough. Obviously, you would have to be dependent upon God. But at that moment, and I'm talking to him, at Starbucks about this story, he said, you know what, Kevin, I was, fear took over right there. He's like, fear took over my life in that instant. He was like, I I didn't know what to do. He's like, so because of that, I just had to be completely dependent upon God. I said, God, what, what in the world do I do? He said, because if it was his decision, he probably would have just kind of said, hey, you know what, we can, we can pray for him later. Let's keep preaching to these people out here because we don't want to bring any confusion to them. And especially if he doesn't get healed, we don't want for them to all walk out and leave. But he, he said, God, what do you want me to do? I'll be dependent upon you. And God spoke to him and said, you need to go and pray for him. And at this point, he had a decision to make to either obey God, believe that his word is true, Or not? And he did. He broke through that wall of fear, and he said, you know what? Why don't some of my team come up? I'm going to come up. We're going to pray for this person. And the government officials are laughing at this point. They're like, oh, yeah, have fun. He begins to pray, and he said still while he's praying in his mind, he's like, God, you have to come through because... (laughs) This has nothing to do with me. You have to do something right now. And he's praying for this guy and he begins to pray and moments pass by and people out in the audience are beginning to get a little bit confused and he keeps praying. And then he said, finally, the guy's finger began to move. The dead person, his finger begins to move. He said he continued to pray and his arm began to move, continued to pray and his eyes opened up. And he said when his eyes opened, life just flooded all throughout his body and he rose from the dead right there. In front of everybody because one man said, I'm not going to let a wall of fear block me from what God is wanting to happen in this situation. And because of that, someone was raised from the dead. Not only that, all of those government officials got saved and every single person in the audience got saved because one man said, I'm not going to let this wall block me from what God has for me think in this room, if we took on that attitude of God, there's, there's walls in my life. But man, if I could break through those, think of what could happen. Think of what could happen. You know, I love the last part of this scripture in verse 16. It says, shout for the Lord has given you the city. Shout for the Lord has given you this city. You know, what's amazing about this is they were thanking God even before the city was theirs. They were thanking him before the city was theirs. Praise precedes provision. Praise precedes provision. You know, they, they knew before that wall ever fell down that God held the victory in that situation. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. Joshua knew, he had in his heart, God's word never fails. And I know that when God gave me a promise, he's gonna fulfill that promise. He's got a perfect track record. He's never broken a promise, so I'm gonna believe in that. And I'm gonna give him thanks before this thing ever even goes down. And he thanked God even before it happened. These are the steps that Joshua took in verse 20, it says, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, and everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They took the city right there, because Joshua was brave enough to say, God, I see what you see. I'm putting on your vision for a second. I see what you see. I'm going to have faith in your word. I'm going to have faith and stand upon your word. And he followed those steps. He had complete dependence upon God. And they praised God before it ever even happened. And because of that, the wall fell straight down to the ground. And they went and they took the city. You know, what? every single one of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, there's something in our life that's blocking us to getting where we need to be with God or to where God wants us to be. There may be some of you in this room that God gave you a vision a while ago of something you're supposed to do, but there's been something blocking you from that. There's been a wall that's been built up by the enemy that's telling you, you can't can't do that. You can't do this. There's no way you can do this. Look at this wall. Look how big. Look how strong it is. But again, we serve a God that is the God of the impossible. God wants you to just put on his vision for a second and see what life, could be without, what life could be like without this wall. So right now, I just want you to take a moment and just identify what that wall is in your life. What's the wall that's keeping you back? It could be many different things that it's keeping you back from. It could be a family member that God has spoken to you to pray for, to speak about, but just a wall of fears in your life. It could be that you know you're supposed to give more than ever before. But a wall of greed is in your life. I don't know what it is. We all, we all have different walls in our life, but we have to know that we serve a God that works in the impossible and he makes impossibilities possible. And he wants to work through you to see a victory come in your life. Now that you've identified that wall, I want you to think and vision with me what life, could be, what life could be like without that wall there whatever that looks like for you, think of what that could be like. Without that wall hindering you and blocking you from what God has for your life. You know, and if we can all bow our heads and close our eyes in this place, no one looking around. You know, there's some people in here that you're hearing me talk about all this, but you may not even have a relationship with God. And there is a wall up between you and God There's some of you, it's been up forever. You've never had a relationship with God. You've never known God. And there's some of you that you've just let the enemy build this up. And it's something where you used to have a strong relationship with God, but you've ran away from him. You know, if that's you and you want a relationship with God in this place, I just want you to raise your hand. You can just raise it up and put it back down. Anybody here? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can just raise it up and put it right back down. Anybody else? Thank you. I'm gonna give you a couple more moments. If that's you, either you've never had a relationship with God or you want a relationship with God. You know what's amazing is we serve a God that loves us so much that he sent his son down to this earth to die on a cross for us to be able to break that wall of sin that's in your life to where it is no more. And there is nothing blocking you from from having a relationship with Jesus. So tonight it says in the Bible, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, then you will be saved. And in a second, we're going to ask everybody to say that prayer with us. And if you raise your hand and you're saying that prayer, know that it's not the prayer that's going to save you, but it's, actual, it's actually you and your heart believing that Jesus died for you and that he lives today and he wants a relationship with you. So if everyone in this place could repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to always live for you. In your name I pray, amen. Now, for everybody else in the place, again, there's people here, you have walls that are blocking you, and I just wanna say a prayer for you because here's the deal. Those walls can come crumbling down just like around the city of Jericho, they can come crumbling down. It's just gonna take some steps from you. It's gonna take some faith from you. It's gonna take some trust from you to see this happen. And I truly believe that it can happen and that it will happen. So if that's you, I just wanna say a prayer for you tonight. God, thank you so much for every single person in this place. God, I pray that you would just, God, give every single one, In here, God, at the Germantown campus, the West campus, the online campus, God, truly show them what life would be like without this wall in their life, God. Give them the faith. Let them stand upon your word. God, let them completely put all of their trust in you. And God, I pray that you would let this wall come crumbling down in their life, God, that so that they can fulfill that promise that you've given them. God, so that they can be in relationship with you like they should have been before, God, so that they can truly do what you've always wanted them to do. God, I thank you so much for your word for us. God, I pray that you would bless every single person in this place. God, let none of us leave here the same.